cannot be serious. Serious. I just wonder what you have to do against this guy. Yeah, more in the mood for a beer right now. Um. <laughs> well, 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 welcome to The Backhanders, the podcast that brings you all the ins and outs from the great game of tennis, covering each tennis slam and unafraid to slam tennis. My name is Lightning, and with me a man known in France as Catters. Catters, bonjour. Bonjour, my friend. Great to chat to you, Lightning. Uh, excited to be back. Excited to have our first mid-tournament podcast. Yes. So we're right in the thick of it now. I've uh, I've watched a lot of tennis uh, these last few days. Actually, watching would be a stretch. I've heard a lot of tennis. Unfortunately, I saw Rafa Nadal in his first round match in his retina-scorching yellow outfit um, and <laughs> have since... Had to wear a blindfold under doctor's orders as I recover slowly. <laughs> Insert Stevie Wonder gag here. It sounds like it's been a great open thus far. <laughs> well, I'm this. I'm fairly similar, Kat, as I've had the TV on non-stop this week, and I've found uh, it's been intrigue, suspense, surprising characters emerging. It's been carnage at times, mainly because I've been watching reruns of Game of Thrones, uh, anything I can to avoid the French <laughs> Open. But I've heard that uh, there's actually been some tennis on. So we'll get to that throughout this episode. So we're, of course... just I, I mean, I, one of the highlights for me has been the outfits, and I know we're going to come to it, but I cannot say enough just how insanely yellow that outfit is. It is so <laughs> vibrant. I turned all of the saturation, contrast, everything I could turn down on my monitor, I did. I turned it into black and white, and Rafa was still a flipping banana in pyjama running around the court. It is insane. It's very hard to focus. And it's the same color as the ball, so I do not know how his opponents have not tried to um, call him out on it. But anyways, we will get to that later in the podcast. We're going to have to. It's part and parcel of what we'll cover here as our midway through tournament episode. We're halfway through the French and there's some collision courses being set up. There's all sorts of action we're going to cover. And of course, some people were a step ahead. Some people uh, chose to take the wiser option and uh, not even enter the French Open before things even got rolling. The headlines read, Nick Curios out of the French Open. And of course, he very humbly put it, the French Open absolutely sucks. Before he pulled out, actually, only to then confirm that he uh, had an illness. He had an allergy to bad tournaments. And so from day one, Curios was replaced with a lucky loser. And that lucky loser isn't Nick Curios. He's, of course, referring to another tennis player. So, Katis, what's that about? He doesn't even show up. No idea. But all I can think of is that it's a last-ditch attempt to uh, play to the populace opinion out there. And by just ducking away from the French, getting himself in favour with the general tennis-loving public... <laughs> You know when you go out and it's the first day of spring and you just smell that freshly cut grass and it's just like, oh, I'm going to go play cricket for the rest of the summer or British Bulldogs or whatever I was doing as a ragamuffin teen back in the day. Well, he was on grass <laughs> probably both metaphorically, literally and physically. Uh when he made that comment, wasn't he already in the UK practicing hitting up with someone at Queens or something? He was. He was hitting up with Andy Murray. That's right. Andy Murray, who I presume was in a wheelchair at the time. I'm not sure. <laughs> you're on grass. You're loving it. You're thinking Wimbledon's around the corner. Oops, there's a tournament beforehand. Let's not let that unnecessarily get in the way. Uh, maybe got a memo saying that they decided to nail down the furniture on court. Didn't see any point in showing up. <laughs> 
So I say, well done. You had no props to work with. Yeah, so props to you, Nick. Amazing. I mean, a real dent. We need our characters. We need our colour aside from the retina-blurring yellows of Nadal's. And for Curious to not be there was shattering. Well, let's get into it. Let's not dwell anymore on those who weren't at the French Open. Let's get excited about who was and what's been happening. And let's do that in our segment, Come On. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. Well, we are halfway through the dust storm that is the French Open. So, Cutters, what excites you about the first week of this French Open? Well, Lightning, it might surprise you that my highlights don't come from the skill and prowess of the players themselves or the tactical side of the on-court antics. I've taken my eye more to the fashion this time around. Couture is an area that I've always dabbled in, I must say. Sure. And these player outfits have caught my eye and burnt my eye in the case of Rafa Nadal, (laughs) the human highlighter. So let's start with Rafa. Rafa comes out dressed head to toe as a neon tennis ball, essentially. Yes. Now... In other sports, there's a lot made of the fact that, and and even in tennis, there's been a lot made of the fact that there should be a decent contrast behind the ball so that the players can see the ball properly. Absolutely. I do not see how people have not complained about Rafa's ploy here because he does look like a human tennis ball. Totally. No doubt. Apparently he was tossing up between either going that colour or a clay court red. (laughs) So apparently he wanted to be able to flick into stealth mode. Unbelievable. And approach the net unannounced. So, I mean, he's what's the go? Is he wanting to join a a green man group or something? (laughs) What's the the story? I have no idea. I would not be surprised if he pulls out some green body paint and just completes the set. Because he had the foot, it's not the top, it's also the wristbands, it's the headband. It was amazingly yellow. And it's also caused a lot of confusion because when the kids usually rocking up at the end of the match trying to get one of those novelty giant tennis balls signed, they've been signing Rafa Nadal at the end of the match. <laughs> so it's not good for the future generation either. Okay, so Rafa... You blinded me. I scorn you for that, but I'll move on. I think he just felt as though he needed an edge in this tournament. <laughs> uh, so, you know, props to the bloke. Mate, you've won 11. I mean, seriously, you could show up <laughs> naked with zero support downstairs and still rock off with your 12th. Get your rocks off and rock off <laughs> with your 12th cup. <laughs> I now have images of just a Rafa sitting naked inside the cup, just ta- taunting the press as they try and get an angle that doesn't expose his ghoulies. With someone having signed his balls. <laughs> okay, um, moving right along. Okay, right. So yes. my other one... Sorry, apologies. You know, you've got two ends of the polar extremes here. If you have Rafa going neon, then who was advising arguably the greatest player of all time, Roger Federer, who rocked up as what can only be described as a human turd? Yes, it is the only way to describe it. This is what happens when you allow players to play on as long as Roger Federer. He has tried every colour on the palette spectrum and the only thing left was poo brown is it a tribute to changing the nappies of his twins what what is it <laughs> to be honest for me it just felt like surely flushing meadows was maybe the more appropriate place to be dressed as a turd 
the the human flusher. I don't know. It was a shocking choice. You know, he's just signed that gigantic Uniqlo sponsorship that will take him all the way into the retirement village. And the first thing he struts out with is looking like a turd burger. It was a a ginormic forehead slap from the whole management of Uniqlo when he rolled out on court. Well, let's flick to the women's side. Is there anything on the women's side? Well, let's let's not fl- let's not flick to the women's side because I have one more axe right. to grind here. Okay. Um, it is one Kyle Edmund, who's the highest ranked Brit, which doesn't mean much these days. I think he's about 60 in the world. But if he was ranked in fashion, he wouldn't even crack the top 9,999, 9, which we've established belongs to a lesser-known Kazakh player. He rocked up in what I initially thought was a flowery shirt and some sort yes. of like... It almost looks like some sort of popcorn on his shorts. Yeah. But then as... As I often do, I took some screenshots and then forensically zoomed in to his groin to see that he actually had on his shorts, a, it was skull and crossbones or some sort of crossbones setup. And his shirt was, wasn't it like zebra stripes or something like yeah. that? Yeah, uh, zebra and skeleton stripes. It looks shocking. Oh, to the point where in his press conference he said, I would personally pick flowers if I had to. <laughs> he said it was some sort of tribute to the French Revolution, but he didn't really know much about it. Yeah. If you want a tribute to the French Revolution, I don't think it's the Brits that should be coming over and telling them how to celebrate. <laughs> no. no. And apparently, apparently, if you do go online and look it up and look at the image, if you blur your eyes, it's actually one of those magic eye images. <laughs> Apparently, it's an optical illusion. If you look hard enough, you can actually see a genuine tennis player from Great Britain. Uh, on the women's side... Surely there can't be any more faux pas, Cutters. Well, uh, there is not so much a faux pas as cultural appropriation of the worst kind. Last time I checked, Serena Williams, you're a lot of things, Serena, but you're not Mexican. You can't rock a poncho... <laughs> I know that the devil's dirt reminds you of some sort of death valley in the middle of Mexico, but that is no excuse to rock out in a poncho. Amazing. To, to rock out in a, a Halloween bat cape was quite extraordinary. Again, one the viewers will have to look up. But I think she actually came dressed as the ghost of tournaments past, I believe. A little bit ostentatious, but not so much just the design as much as what was written on it. Yes, So tell us four words written in French that said champion, queen, goddess, and mother in French. Yep. So apparently it was off the set of Game of Thrones. It was uh, Daenerys Targaryen left it lying around and Serena (laughs) grabbed it and and brought it on. Apparently she's coming in on a dragon if she gets to the quarterfinal stage. So look forward to that. But what do you make of that? Champion, queen, goddess, and mother. I think it's a typo. I think goddess was actually meant to say, God, I'm a bad sport. Uh, but it was a misprint. <laughs> the theatre must be intimidating if you're the opposition to see coming in with the layers, the poncho, the bat cape, whatever else it was. And of course, when quizzed in a presser after it, she was quizzed about what it meant and what it was about and what it's like to be Serena Williams. And she said, of course, being Serena is a lot to carry. Wow. I thought that was a very interesting statement. It's never a great sign when you start talking in the third person, but I, I mean, I know lightning does it a fair bit, but it's never a great look. The Catters has never liked it so much. He's <laughs> often found it arrogant and bewildering. 
She's a blank canvas and I love that she can project all of these amazing stories and intricate designs on top of her and it's it's always interesting. So she keeps it she keeps it pretty cool. Did you hear that overnight Banksy actually put one of his images on her back actually, <laughs> which is incredible. So He's good. I mean, he's he's stealth-like, but <laughs> he's his ability good. to get in overnight and tattoo her entire back. <laughs> That's next level, Banksy. Respect. The fact that he put a picture of Venus on her back, I think, uh, will be the closest she'll get to holding up a trophy in a while. <laughs> Absolutely. What are you excited about, Lightning? Oh, look, it's a great question. Surprisingly enough, Kat, is it's actually been the on-court action. Uh, so thank you for the behind-the-scenes exploration. But for me, it's been the openness of the women's draw. Four out of the top six are out. Pliskova, the second seed. My porn name buddy, Kiki Burton's, unfortunately withdrew. It's reshadowing. Kerber went out in the first round in Kvitova. So two, four, five, and six. And Wozniacki lost in a slam, which was surprising to hear cutters. So can you give us an insight as to what that was like in Denmark? Well, in Denmark, it was of no great surprise. She had a very serious leg injury going into that match. Many thought she wouldn't even show up to play. Um and she looked like she was literally hobbling around on court. The the so a heroic first. Yeah, round I would exit. like to spin it as a heroic first round exit. Um, <laughs> I think the broader theory that I'd like to posit is that players are this time round just waking up to the fact that the French Open is rubbish and they are fleeing en masse. <laughs> Wozniacki actually had been seen in uh, one of the. Central Parks in France, borrowing someone's selfie stick and stabbing herself in the left leg with it as an excuse to not compete the following day. Kiki Burton's, Kiki Burton's pulled out. Stomach bug, really? I yeah. mean, that's hard to validate. Uh, who else? Mm. Who else went mm. missing? There was also oh, Andreeski yes. didn't show up to her second round match. Shattering the gun, who we very much liked, uh, who's on the rise. She didn't show up. Kyrgios sick. Booster. Booster. Booster, who we pumped up in episode one. He pulled out too. He retired. Yeah, he, he retired. He's actually retired because he had a conflicting court appearance in Melbourne for the killing spree he went on <laughs> after losing to Kei Nishikori in the tight battle. So the jury's out literally on his future. <laughs> Very good. But yes, alas, allow me to return to my what's what's what I'm pumped up about this week. And that is this open women's field. So Asaka and Serena both had huge scares in, in round one. They both dropped a set in their first round of both-sided nerves. Uh, what did you make of it, Cutters? Well, it just supports my theory that Asaka <laughs> has literally been trying to exit the open. She is a hostage to this Grand Slam. <laughs> and gr- grand in inverted commas. She's been trying to lose. She got bageled in her first set out on centre yes. court. Six love. Number one in the world. Exactly. She's doing her best. It is a hostage scenario. She is trying to lose and these dim-witted qualifiers cannot take the opportunity that is being thrust right before them. I don't know what As- Asaka is just shaking her head. She does she's like, what can I possibly do other than stab my left leg with a selfie stick? <laughs> If I could just show up to Naomi Osaka's press conference and say, Naomi, wink twice if you want me to rush you out into a van and drive you to Copenhagen where you can retire happily. 
the men's side, by contrast to the women's, the top 10 men are all still in at the time of recording, which is extraordinary. First week, at worst, they might have dropped a set or two. Nishikori was taken to five, but but managed to, to get through. But um, they, they've all pretty much been smooth sailing, smooth sailing. Uh, Federer, something of note, he's just beat Kaspar Rude, um, who was the son of a player who featured in the 99 French Open in which Roger debuted. So Roger could legitimately have played both a father and a son. Unbelievable. Incredible. Unbelievable. Incredible. So if he wins his next match against Mayer, then he'll then play uh, Itsy Titsy. Ah, yes. If he gets through his match. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to be a huge match before he can then even get down to those top few. And to be honest, I think it's kind of where Fed wants to be. I think he wants to be the underdog. I think he wants to be able to play footloose and fancy free and just see whatever happens. So it's a place he's not used to being. So to be honest, he's, he's becoming a dark horse, which is fascinating dark brown horse yeah a dark <laughs> and then of course we've got to flip over to nadal nadal has dropped a set now that's the first time that's happened in a grand slam in the, in the french open since 2015 the second time he's dropped a set incredible statistic so he he's killing it and then of course the rest of the top 10 are not far behind there's been some irrepressible tennis so we actually do have a fascinating second week coming up of a really open women's field and a really tight at the top men's field so the only man troubled in the top 10 uh, was Nishikori who as I, as I said was pushed to five and was actually a, a break of serve down in the fifth set but the Japanese magician did it in in the fifth came from behind took it apparently he has uh, the world's best five-set record. He's 20-6 and six when in five-set matches. So incredible stats. So, but if he gets through his next match, he will actually be in line to face Nadal. So he'll he'll actually have a target on his head. So, oh no, hang on, that's just the Japanese flag. I think there, so. so obviously we've seen a lot of tennis. Uh, women's tennis, men's tennis. But I'm keen, Catters, to find out who we feel is has been on the rise, is delivering to expectations and who has failed to. So we're going to do that in a segment we like to call Fed Up and Poo Down. I'll give you the racket and we'll see how, many ta- see how many times you can return this serve also. You're a professional tennis player. I'm not. Okay. 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 Roger Federer. Year after year, Grand Slam after Grand Slam. I mean, you make it look so easy, and obviously mm. it isn't. How do, how do you keep doing it? Yeah, look, uh, there's no secret behind it, you know. I mean, definitely a very talented player. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, of course, this segment is named after the great, the, the Turdberger himself, Federer, and also, of course, Mark the Pooh, Philippousis. Uh, so Fed, the one, the up-and-comer, and, and Philippousis, the one who failed to deliver, we'll, we'll call it in the true French Open spirit. This week we'll be calling it the wee-wee and poo-poo. So, Catters, who for you is your hero and who is your villain? Yes, well, my Fed Up comes from Roger's countryman, Stan the Man, who has been on a oh. cold killing spree at this French Open at the moment. He looks good. He looks really good. I'd really forgotten about him coming into this tournament. I mean, he's seeded 24. So he's my he's my fed up. Yeah. I think he looks amazing. Terrific call. And my poo down is French cuisine. 
literally pooing down. French cuisine is a problem <laughs> at this French Open. I've noticed on the telecast that from around the hours of from around t- midday through to about two o'clock, the stands are half empty at best. Yes, yes. And that is by and large due to the fact that the, the French love a quality lunch. They want to go, they want to have a proper spread, they want to enjoy themselves, and it's at the cost of tennis as a sport. Think about it, French people. Yes. What is wrong with packing a sandwich, pulling it out from between your legs, get a little freezer bag, whatever it takes, and just munching on something soft in the crowd? No, no, not good enough for the French. They need to go to some restaurant, and it ends up meaning that they're away from their seats for a good two hours. It's disruptive. Correct. It's disrespectful. It makes me envious that they eat properly whilst I'm busy, you know, munching nuts on my couch. Yeah, so that's my uh, poo down. Pack some snails, get back in the stands, Frenchies. That's what I hear you saying, Carters. So exactly. It's a fair call. It is a fair call. It's not a good look. We only have four friggin' opens a year and half the stands are empty for one of them. So I grew up going to school and my mum would pack me your play. Now, you cannot tell me that that was not designed for the French context. You guys invented your play. It's French for yum. Doesn't get more straightforward than that. Could not agree more. A worthy poo down, Catters. How about yourself? For me, the uh, the fed up, the up and comer, the riser is Mugarusa. Oh, yes. A, a, a former champion of the French Open who since that time has actually failed to deliver on her skill or talent or potential, but is playing some irrepressible tennis at the moment. So she has a 27-5 record at the French Open. So it's a, it is a tournament that suits her. We hadn't highlighted her... Uh, as a potential for this tournament in our predictions. And yet, geez, I wouldn't be surprised if she really moves up the rankings as as a real threat. So for me, uh, she now plays Sloane Stephens. So, you know, Tsitsi Pass and Warinka on one side, but for me, the equivalent is this Sloane Stephens and Mugarusha uh, um, match that, that is coming up now. So stay tuned. That is my fed up. My poo down, you're going to find this hard to believe, Bernard Tomic is not living up to the potential that he has. No. Oh, look, I, I try to give the bloke a chance. I try each slam, each tournament, each bloody year for the last five years. You and I have been there at 3am at the Australian Open, cheering him on, begging him to want to finish the match and not want to go to bed halfway through a fifth set. He uh, put in an absolute stinker going down 6-1, 6-4, 6-1. It was a match that lasted 82 minutes. It was a 20-minute third set. It was unbelievable. He comes out in the presser and says, this tournament is not for me, basically, and was asked straight out, there was so much criticism about the way he played. He actually, you've got to go on, you've got to jump on YouTube, see the highlights. Three times he let a ball go past him, which feeds into your suggestion, Kat, is maybe he wanted to get the hell out of there. He walked to the net a point early and had to, with resignation, walk back and receive another point. It was unbelievable. So I've started to dub uh, Bernard Tomic, uh, Tomic the Tank Engine, after some of his um, very good, lousiest very efforts. Good, thank very you, good. thank you. And was asked straight out, "Did you tank? Did you did you throw this match? Did you give it your best?" Was the exact question. And he said, 
pretty sure I did. <laughs> oh my goodness! Unbelievable. He says, "Oh, but this surface, it's not, it's not good for me." So <sighs> he was making it look like weekend at Bernie's at different times. So I wonder if he could get a concession to have his coach come and stand behind him, pop the arms through, and would probably actually return a little bit better. <laughs> He conceded seven service breaks in 12 games. And get this for an indicting statistic, Catters. He won just three points in rallies that lasted nine or more strokes. So we're talking this... It is a a surface that demands patience. It is one in which there will be large rallies and long rallies. Three points when it went over nine. He just got bored. I think he's the only player to have actually called an injury timeout to be diagnosed for ADHD halfway through a match. <laughs> Love it. I didn't understand a word you're saying, but it was, it's not important. It is time now for our wild card segment. Uh, Cutters, you are the king of dusting off the unknown, of exploring the lesser known facts about tennis Upon this French Open, what have you got for us? What's your wild card? Yes, well, Lightning, this one has a French theme to it, which will come as no surprise to you as we are knee-deep in the devil's dirt right now, (laughs) mid-tournament. My question to you is, are you aware of who Roland Garros was? Oh, I am not. I'd always figured Roland Garros sounds like uh, maybe he was a hairdresser on Chapel Street in the 80s. But alas, he was not. Roland Garros was a French pioneering aviator and fighter pilot during World War One. Okay. I thought it was French for Ronald McDonald. <laughs> no, alas not. So he was then immortalized by having the entire precinct named after him. And I, for one, am not happy about it. <laughs> I'd always thought that he was a star tennis player. Uh, And it just shows a couple of things. It shows the fact that the French don't have many successful tennis players. It's true. You know, oh, we don't have many successful tennis players. What are we going to do? The next logical step. Yeah, let's name it after an aviator. I mean, you didn't see (laughs) Flushing Meadows naming it the Goose and Maverick precinct in New York. (laughs) And what did this guy actually do? He has nothing to do with tennis. You know, he fought in World War. People actually thought that he'd shot down five planes. He'd shot down four planes. If you shoot down five planes as a fighter pilot, you're known as an ace pilot. Right. So we couldn't even use that play on words. There's not even that loose pun no. that can be attributed to Roland Garros. He shot down four. And you know what annoys me? You know what really gets my goat lightning? So I'd love to know. Or le goat, as the case may be. <laughs> my great uncle... Gilmore Catford was a fighter pilot who was shot down over France. Hello. Where the freak is his tennis tournament? Yes. What, what, what? You don't see me call it, hey, we're going to go to Gilmore Catford Arena to watch Tomic Bomb in January? No. So, and my uncle, his manseed gave birth to a generation of new tennis players in South Australia. He loved the sport. He deserves more than anyone else to have something named after him. So I'm. It, this is personal to me, and I'm pretty sure my uncle shot down five at least. My uncle was a super ace pilot. Yes, I have little doubt. And all my research into my great uncle tells me that he was robbed of a French Open precinct, amongst oh. other things. His life as well on the battlefield, I'll give him that. <laughs> but... 
I have two issues here. How do we strip the name Roland Garros mm. from the French Open? Because I think that's the first go-to. Yes. And then secondly, how do we immortalize great uncle Gilmore Catford, mm. as I think we all agree he deserves? Yes, yes. I'm sensing a campaign here. I, I, I'm on this, Cutters. What's, what's the hashtag? How can people... Uh, yeah, what, what campaign are they jumping on? Hashtag erase the ace. <laughs> However you want to spin it, Roland, you weren't an ace. You shot down four people. You made no effort to dispel the myth that in 19... What was it? 14. That you flew your plane into a Zeppelin, killing everybody on board, including yourself, whilst you were partying back in Paris. That never happened, my friend. You do not deserve a precinct. <laughs> I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, Gattis. There isn't any chance that he was he was smuggling tennis players out of the French Open, and that's why they've now called the event after him. I, I just want to check facts. It's a worthy cause, and I look forward to the Steven Spielberg film. But until that's done, justice must be served, and great Uncle Gilmore Catford needs to have, in the very least, a lead-up tournament to the Australian Open named after him, and Roland Garros needs to be replaced with something more pertinent to the French Open. Absolutely. Is it too early to name it the Rafa Nadal Clay Derby? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Well, I mean, I hear Hong Kong 1, 2, and 3 are crying out for a, a name for their tournament. So perhaps the Catford name could, could land there. Okay, Catters, it is time to take this thing home. With one week left in the French Open, let's have a quick look at what our predictions were, see how we stand. Catters, who had you predicted for the tournament before tournament proper? Yeah, I'm sitting quite contently with my original predictions here i had djokovic uh to win and i do think as you said with the top 10 men still in it's going to be a log jam when we get to the quarters and the semis but at the moment he's looking pretty solid and in the women's i had simona Halep, who is cruising along just nicely at the moment yes yeah yeah looking solid so you're you're on the money you're on the money well for me i, I had kiki burton's as my you know, as great hope. So obviously, I'm out there. But uh, team was my was my man. So he's alive too, and he's doing pretty well. So fingers crossed. But as you said, the men's draw has opened wide up. Guys like Del Potro are looking strong. Warinka, as you mentioned earlier, Catters is flying. Monfils, obviously at home, the great French hope. There's a lot of cracking matches coming up, so, geez, you could throw a blanket over a few blokes. And at the top of it all is Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic again. Let's have a quick look, Cat, as to some of the matches we're most excited about that are on the radar. For you, what's up and coming? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, for me, on the men's side, I'm actually most excited in the fourth round about the aforementioned Kei Nishikori, who's come off another five-setter mm -hmm. victory against a man who's probably less known to many, namely Benoit Paire. He's 38th ranked in the world. He's French. Very good-looking man. Uh, just mm -hmm. go onto his Instagram. You'll see a lot of selfies, a lot of selfies. And who'd blame him? He is a beautiful man. Um, is that who they talk about when they say grow a pair? <laughs> that is exactly who they're talking about. He is right. he, He's Wolverine-esque. Uh, not so much just in the fact that he looks like the French Hugh Jackman, but the fact that he also famously in the Washington Open in 2018 
smashed three rackets in under three minutes which was utterly incredible including shattering a racket on his way to shake hands with marcus Baghdadis. wow uh yeah see for me that is the greatest showman right there <laughs> that's exactly right for me geez the men's side is just as you said it's log jam we're, we're talking about um, Dominic Team playing Montfies potentially in another match. And if he gets through there, it could be Team or Montfies against Del Potro. So there are just train wrecks waiting to happen. So the men's side is a logjam. And we've already mentioned flipping over to the women's side, Sloan Stevens and Muguruza. For me, whoever wins out of those two become the, the most likely dark horse to, to challenge. So. I reckon there's some belter matches about to come up. Well, Catters, it's time to sign off. I've got to start a, another rerun of Game of Thrones, so my week is uh, chockers looking ahead. But, of course, with another week to go, we'd love you to jump on board the Backhanders. Check out our Instagram account, the Backhanders, all one word. Find us on Facebook. Jump aboard the ride. We'd love you to come with us as we check out all things tennis. And we're going to do all this again. We're going to do our post-mortem episode in a week's time to check in, see all those final soap opera antics that have been going on, to find out how accurate our predictions have been, and to have one final swing at this dust bowl of a tournament before we move on to the green pastures of Wimbledon. So, until next time, don't forget to be quiet, please. (music) 